0: Hey, welcome to the podcast. I am Joelle here with my dad, and I'm Rick. What do you want to talk about today, Joel? Hey, so I was, uh, I w- How do we say this? You know, there's a lot of things that we like. We look at in the church, and we go, you know, was it? Was it I saw a thing that said the other day, if Paul saw the American church, we'd be getting a letter too. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'd pr- like to get a letter from <laughs> we, him. We would, yeah, I, that would be helpful. We, we would be getting a letter. But I was thinking about uh, the idea that. At some point, you have to come to the fact that there's the ideal, and then there's what's reality. And yeah. I mean, for the for example, you know, we were talking the other day. What brought this up is I said, "Hey, if your kids aren't following the Lord, should that disqualify you for ministry?" And, and what was your answer? Well, biblically, yes, but <laughs> there is the ideal, and there is
1: reality as well. Yeah. yeah.
0: So let's talk about that because, I mean. Man, it would be nice if we all followed the Bible and, and and if all of our leaders were just right on track with what God yeah. was saying to them, and if all of their kids were serving the Lord. But the simple fact is, it's just not. Uh, well, I can't say it's not realistic because apparently it is realistic in God. To God, He says, you know, be holy as I am holy. Yeah. Uh, but what is the, where is the line between like. The ideal and the realistic of like we we need to hold high standards. I mean, mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's start by talking with our leaders, right? We need to hold high standards for our leaders. But let's be honest: if every pastor whose kid is running from God had to resign, we there we would significantly reduce the pastor pool. Yeah,
1: and pastors would start significantly reducing how many kids they have.
0: <laughs> yeah, <that's> probably because <laughs> your odds. Probably, yeah, yeah anyway.
1: and I, maybe it's not odds. I don't know. It's not the right way to say it. But but again, there is the ideal and the real. And as you know, I'm uh, that's a that's a plagiarizing a Derek Prince who who years ago, 70s in the 70s, he was a big teacher in the Body of Christ, and um, he talks about the ideal and the real. And you have to maturity is to keep your eyes focused on the the ideal, shoot for the ideal, but learn to live in reality. This is the way it is. This is mm-hmm. the down and dirty of life. This is the down and dirty of ministry and everything else. But don't lose. Don't lose sight of the ideal. Keep shooting for that, but mm-hmm. learn to live. Maturity is to learn to live in reality. And you get cynical if all you do is keep your eye on the ideal because nothing's going to meet up to that.
0: So I, I kind of you know. wonder if that was part of Jesus's frustration. There's this one time I, I remember <laughs> one, one verse where these guys they're trying to cast a demon out, and he's and he basically Jesus shows up and he's like how long do I have to endure you people? I know. Like I know, that's, that's literally that's, what he says. How long life. do I have to endure you? And then he's like, this time, this kind only comes out with prayer time and, and fasting. fasting. And then he casts out the demon, right? Uh-huh. But I, you kind of wonder if that's what Jesus was like, man, the guy who has seen the ideal coming down to hang out with us and going, yeah, what I what must I tolerate if I'm yeah. going to stay down here? It's, and I'm
1: thinking they're probably thinking, well, how are we supposed to know? We didn't know. I mean, we just ran into this demon. You know, we're doing the best we can. I know. I've, I can, my heart kind of goes out to them sometimes. They were doing the best they could, you know, and it it just wasn't responding.
0: So I mean, let's talk about that. They're doing the best they could. That's mm-hmm. probably a good uh, uh, way to describe what most of us are doing. Yeah, and so. How do you, when, like, at what point does somebody cross over into, yeah, this isn't ideal, and it's so unideal that yeah. we've got to remove a leader, or we've got to, you need to step back from leadership, for an example, Yeah. or um,
1: yeah, well, or, or maybe God's not going mean, yeah. I mean, to, I mean, here's
0: a challenging one. God likes to use flawed people, but how yeah. flawed can you be before he stops using you?
1: Yeah. Well, how sinful can you be before you're not saved? You know I mean? It's kind of one of those... Well, how much of it, yeah, what's good, how good is good enough? I guess that depends on your theology, theologically, but yeah. This is true, this is true, we won't even go there, yeah. let's not. We've gone there on enough other podcasts to be in deep trouble. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of it has to, I, typically, we'll, we'll take the kids for example, because that, you know our mission is not, this, listen, hear me through on this, one. our commission in life is not to raise godly kids, our commission is to be godly parents. In many ways, we cannot really control what's going to happen in our kid's life. We have some promises: if you train up a child in the ways go should go when he's old, he'll not depart from it. But again, those are more principles, as we've talked about before. There's the, the the prom many of the promises in Scripture are more principles. This is the way it typically happens. You know, David, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. You know? I've
0: I've had a problem with that one because I I, I have seen what you we would say the seen. righteous forsaken. Yeah,
1: yeah, and we have seen poor. We've seen extremely poor people who love God and they may not be sitting there literally holding their hand out, begging for bread, but they could be, you know, and it's just their own trusting God that keeps them from it. They're no poor. They're maybe poorer than the guy who is begging on the street. So the point is many of those are principles that work in general situations in for the most part, you do this, that happens. You do this, that happens. But then a war comes and your, your church is blown up. You know, and all of a sudden everything fell apart, even though you've been doing things right. So those are all principles. And in the same way, training up our children, we really have um, no guarantees of what they're going to decide uh, or what's going to happen in their lives. And so again, and again, so a guy, you know, if you want to get real legalistic about it, the guy's got three kids and two of them are passionate about Jesus. And one of them is off doing his own thing. Well, he may come back. Well, pastor, when he comes back, then you can come and pastor. And, you know, that may be when you're on your deathbed and he comes back to the Lord. So it's it's like if you want to get really legalistic about it, then I just don't think that's what the Scripture— I don't think God gave us a pattern to that everything fits into this pattern. That was the old law. Mm. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, whereas well, now we're spirit-led and— and there's some grace
1: involved and there's some, uh, and, and there's the the mercy of the Lord involved. You know, in that passage there, be holy as I am holy, you know, and without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Well, I guess I'm not going to see the Lord because <laughs> I'm not holy. I'm not complete, but I am.
0: Yeah. Except that your, your holiness is defined by by Jesus Christ, the justific- justification yeah. by grace. When Christ sees you, He sees the righteousness. of I am the of God.
1: righteousness of God in Christ, and so therefore, if I'm trying to do it on my own, then we're back under the law again. And Jesus really kind of wasted His time because it's all based on I got to be holy, I got to be right. My fa-. and really what it says is a family, the family under in order. Yeah, you know, and meaning if your family is totally chaotic and totally out of control, then it's going to be hard for you to. Organize God's family, and we do tend to take that sometimes and translate it a little bit differently.
0: So maybe that's why everybody needs to have an odd number of kids, so you can always kind of like figure (laughs) out like, am I in the black here or am I in the negative? Yeah,
1: am I? Yeah, which is the number?
0: So let's talk about that with the idea of church discipline, because that's a hot, that's a hot thing. People are like, well, the reason the church is so screwed up is there's no no church discipline, and I've seen churches where like. I mean, they follow it to the T. Like if a yeah. man is caught in sin, they drag him before the church and be like, this man was caught fornicating or whatever. Yeah, And, and everybody, uh, we're going to keep an eye on him now. And, uh, and yeah, You
1: just stone him to death. Then you don't have to keep an eye on him. Yeah,
0: just well, yeah, yeah. Do what it's said to do, you know, if you're going to be living there. So where where does church discipline fit into all this, you think?
1: Well, um, first of all, anybody, you know, I love this. I, I was reading at Christmas, somebody was saying, you know, if uh, – if the church were being the church, you know, it's this. it's easy to rag on the church. You know, we just, we, it's just easy to be upset with the church. Anybody who believes that the church would be any different, you know, if the church were doing what they're supposed to do, the society would be impacted in a positive way. You know, really, you apparently haven't studied church history.
0: Or read the letters of Paul, or the
1: Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because from the start, the church was messed up. I mean, it was really messed up. Paul is pleading with them, and he's telling them, "What in the world are you doing over here? You're bragging about something you should be ashamed of, you know. And and you're getting drunk at the Lord's Supper, the communion table, you know. Which, of course, we know they only used grape juice, so I don't know how they got drunk at it. But um, somebody snuck some beer in on the side or something. But the point is that. The church is always messed up because it's got messed up people in it, and that's—it's always going to have messed up people in it. And we are the righteous. The righteousness we have is only through Christ. And frankly, if you do have a perfect, sanitized church, well, you're probably limiting your your. Well, first of all, I couldn't go to it. You couldn't go to it. Nobody, could, you know, it's the old joke. You know, if you found the perfect church, you couldn't go to it because you'd mess it up. Because we're all messed up people, and I think we just need to recognize that. So in church discipline, there comes a point where I think it would be a matter of refusing to change. You know, this mm. brother in 1 Corinthians, the brother who was uh, married to his father's wife or something like that, you know, uh, some real horrible thing. And he says, put him out for, so for the destruction of the flesh so his soul might be saved. Okay, so they obviously did that then they weren't going to let him back in. The guy repented. The guy changed his heart. And then Paul has to write the second letter. He says, let the guy back in. He has, he's Mm -hmm. repented. He's changed. So if there's lack of repentance, if there's no willingness to change, then, then you come in with church, church discipline. But just if a person's, but the other thing is a person's trying to change, but he keeps failing. he He keeps falling. He keeps messing up. Who of us has not? You know, and I, I guess it's that right in the stone, on the dirt. He who's without sin casts the first stone. You know,
0: that that actually makes me think of a situation that's that's happened with a pretty prominent pastor up in um, Minnesota, and he I mean, he's really well known. He's pretty you know, preach gospel preaching pastor, right? His son they had to submit him to church discipline, yeah. and apparently initially he repented. And now he is like the most avid anti-church, I don't know if he's an atheist or an agnostic on TikTok. And I kind of wonder, I'm like, was it the public church discipline? I don't know. I mean, you could say, was did the public church discipline actually help this situation? Or yeah. should it have been handled more in-house because of the nature of who his father was, a very prominent guy? I mean, that, that gets tricky. And then they say, well, now he's unrepentant. And it's kind of like, well, is it a self? I don't know. I mean, is it a self fulfilling yeah. prophecy, or is it the guy's? I guess it depends on your theology. Again, it depends on like, your theology. Well, his heart was already hardened, like Pharaoh's yeah. heart. Was he was hardened. never chosen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, and what a horrible thing to
1: think that, yeah. you know, to think what that your son was never. I mean, there's no way he can repent. He can't even repent because he wasn't one of his, he wasn't one of the elect to begin with.
0: Yeah, I mean, so- Oh my gosh,
1: I can't imagine.
0: So let's talk about that because then there's the ideal and the realist. So like if you're of the Calvinist bent and I mean, like a hyper-Calvinist, like, well, they're all predetermined beforehand anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, It's funny because I don't think anybody actually lives like that because if they didn't, I'll they be, wouldn't be whoa. like nurturing their child in the ways of the Lord. Because it doesn't really matter. Or you wouldn't ask you to pray for my wayward son, because yeah, I mean, if matter? if you're a Calvinist and you're watching, uh, feel free to send us hate mail and correct us. Yeah, but I'm thinking we don't live consistently, and we know all the answers too because we've been there and done that. So yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Well, it's a mystery, and yes, you. Yeah, anyway. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, if we're, if you're consistent with it, you wouldn't be raising your children in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, because it's like, wow, they're already picked anyways, and. Uh, until you know if it's going to pan out, what's the point of wasting your time on it, right? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but yeah. Because <laughs> you do have the hope, you know, you do have the hope that it's
1: there. But uh, actually, statistically, you don't have a very good chance. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, yeah we, okay, let's, get it, let's dig ourselves out of this hole, okay? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and you can, the thing about
1: holes is you can't dig yourself out of them. <laughs> okay, I don't know what we can do. Let's <laughs> climb out of this hole. So wrap it up. Wrap it up. Okay. Well, I think if there's unrepentant, you know, uh, the fact is the world's a messy place and Christianity is a messy religion uh, and you just have to learn to live with it, love people in the midst of it and trust that in the end, God is going to clean it all up. But in the meantime, you live with the reality, but don't keep your eyes off the ideal. Keep shooting for the ideal. Keep moving higher and upward, recognizing that not going to get there.
0: Thanks for listening. Please consider sharing this with your friends on the platform of your choice. For more from Joel Malm, visit joelmalm.com. For more from Rick Malm, visit rickmalm.com. Our podcast music was produced by Alex Burleson.